The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody who is trying to find the right words. But before mm. we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. No, we are not professionals. We are not trained in this. We're only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. So please take our advice as you see fit in your life. All right, Sam, it's Monday. So what is the check-in topic of the week? Uh, our check-in topic is inspired by a letter that we got from Why Can't We Be Friends, whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing from The Void. And basically, Why Can't We Be Friends uh, is asking us about having uh, friendships uh, with men and the fact that uh, many of the people that she's dated in the past who have all been men have been like really not okay with her having friends who are men. And she's like, I don't understand why, like it feels unreasonable to me. You know, I don't want to accommodate like losing these friendships for somebody that I'm dating, like nothing about these friendships have been like uncomfortable or improper, right? Like they're all a hundred percent platonic. I've been friends with them for forever, single with other people. Like it's, it's not, it's not going to turn into anything. And I make that really clear to my, my, or she has made it really clear to her exes and that hasn't assuaged their concerns about it. So we thought it would be fun to rant a little bit about, 
about uh, some of the ways in which we have these uh, unreasonable expectations of our of our partners and and why we have this idea that like we can't have relationships or friendships with people who aren't the same gender as us. Yes. Yeah. And and two things I want to say before I start ranting. Um, one, I think um, because the letter writer identified, I think, as hetero or or we can assume that from yeah. the way she Cis, wrote about her. She's a cishet woman. Yeah. Um, and because of that, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, being friends with the, quote, opposite gender. And we know it just break up that gender is not as binary as society presents it to be. Um, and that also just like automatically erases, you know, queer people from the equation and um, makes sexuality a binary too. So, you know, general blanket, like, you know, that's not what we mean sort of thing. <laughs> and also I wanted to say like, uh, as much as I'm about to rant about this, I know that it can be really challenging. I know that it can trigger a lot of insecurities in us and that often our insecurities are way louder and needier than our security, our secureness and our confidence. And so this isn't to shame anyone who struggles with this because I have definitely struggled with this in the past. And also sometimes our insecurities need like a stern talking to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sometimes our sometimes our insecurities need to like be pushed into the light to see how ridiculous they are and how unsustainable they are that's what it is it's like yeah i understand i empathize with our insecurities of like the threat to our love or our threat to our desire or our relationship or whatever it is but it's just so unsustainable to be jealous of friends in this context, particularly when it comes to gender, because it is because of the reasons I've already mentioned and the ones we're about to rant about um, that for me in my general self-help work, sometimes a good old fashioned like shaming <laughs> of my insecurities, not really, but like sure. a shaming, <laughs> you know, whatever. Anyway, so you go ahead you start the rant. <laughs> It's just I just mean like sometimes it's sometimes it's like almost embarrassed my my insecurity is embarrassing and yeah. sometimes mm -hmm. it's good to like embarrass it to be like this <laughs> sure, isn't sure. real this isn't sustainable you know your wife isn't going to cheat on you with every other person who has boobs you know that's not real <laughs> <laughs> Yeah no absolutely um yeah I think I think that like part of it is at least for, for me is, is this idea that like, um, straight cis men in our society are just like so coddled that they think that like anything that makes them uncomfortable is like bad mm. or like shouldn't happen. Mm. <laughs> right. Where mm. it's like, instead of doing the work to like go inward and say like, okay, well, what's coming up for me around right. this thing, right? Like the, because we don't hold men accountable for their own self their, their own self-work, right? Like we just create spaces where they can lash out and behave like children and we're just okay with that. Is that like, then they don't do any of the self-work. So this kind of stuff comes up and then we have a person who, like the letter writer, who's like, I'm not going to just capitulate to this whim that you have. And then they don't know yeah. what to do with that information, right? It's like, but yeah. you're supposed to do it in the way that I want it to be done. So like, I think that there are there are like societal things here that have like really insulated 
men from having to do anything that makes them uncomfortable. And like, as somebody who has been socialized as a man, right? Like as, as somebody who grew up identifying as a man, right? Like I have seen this firsthand in my own experience, the way that other people around me have created spaces for me to not have to take accountability for things, right? Because of the body that I'm in. So like, I think that that's a big part of it, right? Like I, also think about what would happen if Peter cheated on me, right? Like it is something that comes up in me. And instead of saying, oh, then that means that he should not be friends with people or he should not go out to the bar or whatever it is. Instead, I say to myself, he is trustworthy. So what is happening in my body and how do I tend to that? Rather than saying, you, Peter, need to change your behavior because he's not doing anything wrong by having friends that are men by having dated people in the past by having by going out and talking with a stranger at a bar right like these are all things that are in the parameters of our relationship so i have to do the work of saying what's coming up for me and how do i how do i hold myself differently given that i'm feeling something intensely about this and i think that a lot of cis white or cishet men haven't had to do that sort of parenting for themselves because yeah. other people have done it for them. And because nobody has, I don't want to say nobody has offered them the tools, but they haven't picked up the tools <laughs> to be able yeah. to do that type of work. Yeah. And I also think uh, more generally too, like we aren't really taught to sit in uncomfortable you know, nervous system things when they For come sure. up, like, oh my God, I see my significant other talking to somebody else whom I perceive to be beautiful or whatever. Mm. That makes me have these weird, uncomfortable little butterfly feelings. And my heart rate might go up or I, I, might, I might be activated or triggered to think about a different time in which I was cheated on or whatever. Sure. Um, that physical discomfort, like we haven't really been taught that if you just endure it, it often de-escalates, you know, like if you just say like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I'm feeling escalated right now. I'm going to take a couple deep breaths I'm, and then, and then it dissipates. Right. I also think that this sort of thinking around gender and relationships and friendships, like is so trivializing. It's so, it makes everyone so one dimensional Yeah, because it, the messages that it's sending is like one hetero men, view all other women as sexual objects. They're mm -hmm. incapable of seeing people as multidimensional things or as things other than a romantic thing, which sure. is untrue, right? right? Absolutely. Which might be what we are culturally conditioned to think, yep. but we are, you know, like your boyfriend is capable of viewing another woman as not as a sexual object. Um, mm -hmm. Women are capable of being more than just that, right? Or yeah. Yeah. or they're capable of, of sustaining friendships um, with people of all different genders and all different um, presentations and sexualities. Um, I feel like it, it just makes everything so flat and um, we only see one, one side of people. And it also, it, you, don't want to put your partner on an island like like the letter writer says like you don't want to I have totally cut off friendships before I have done that at the whims of my significant others and I've mm -hmm. also wanted my partners to do that because for, like you said earlier it felt easier to put up those barriers in our relationships to to declare those rules yep instead of actually confronting, well, what is making me feel so deeply wounded in the first place yep. and instead of asking something external, to solve it, what would it feel like if I internally 
rectified or soothed soothed that pain of like, oh my God, what if somebody's better than me? What if they leave me? What if they cheat on me or whatever? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just like essentializes people, right? In like a really uncomfortable way that doesn't provide any sort of nuance to anyone's experience in, right? And and so I think that like, this is probably a pretty common thing that comes up for folks around like, um, around the ways in which men perceive other men, right? And I, I think part of it is because like, they're holding up a mirror to themselves and being like, I don't actually know how to have meaningful relationships with women because like, I've never learned how, right? And so like, yeah. it's hard for me to imagine that another man would be able to have a platonic relationship with a, with a woman because like, I've never done that. I've only oh, viewed yeah. women That's as sexual objects, right? That the letter writer put in the letter that I want to articulate, because I've heard this, I've heard this from an ex. The letter writer said that her exes have claimed that they're, that these men are only friends with her because they want to sleep with her. Mm-hmm. And do you know that's that thing that goes around on the internet every once in a while that's like, um, you know, a man doesn't change his sexist behavior until he has a daughter and he realizes that people are going to sexualize his daughter, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is just like disgusting. So disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's not disappointing that they go through that growth. It's like, okay, good job. And also, like, it really showcases how, um, prevalent and and sick sexism is that it can that again it just makes people one-dimensional you know it makes of course these men who are you know these friends in this letter this letter these letter writers male friends um you know they're not multi-dimensional emotionally rich and complex people they're animals and brutes who are using her to be close to her who only want you know a physical relationship with her and have been maintaining the charade right. of a friendship for a decade just to get her in her pants once. Like it's, it's, it really is a disservice to everyone. It and it's sure funny, is. we're kind of saying opposite things, but they, they, they are happening at the same time. They can exist. Mm-hmm. Like it's a yes and and, and thing that yep. we have culturally conditioned men to not have to really deal with the discomfort of their emotions. Like that's just what patriarchy does. And in that same hand and the other side of the weapon is we limit men. We, we limit their expectations, you know, their emotional abilities. We, we undercut them um, and say like, no, 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 you're not an emotionally complex human. You're a one note person, you You know, just want sex. Yep. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And we know that's not true. And that's why patriarchy hurts everybody. So sure. And there are many men in in both of our lives who like have really delved into that emotional complexity and, and like have talked to me about their experiences in with that double-edged sword where it's like, uh, I don't really have the space to be emotionally complex or people don't expect it of me. And also, right. Like uh, people essentialize me in a lot of different ways. So like, so it's not to say that like, this is, um, this isn't like a challenge for people. And, and I have a lot of respect for folks who like really want to dig into how masculinity has like set them up in ways to be disconnected from people and are actively trying to figure out how to do that. And it sounds like maybe you, these male friends in your life are right, like doing that as well, or at least the letter writers friends. So like, I want to also be clear that like, this isn't a given, right? Like this isn't this the truth for every straight man that is like in the world, but there are 
for sure patterns that exist because of like the cultural 100%. conditioning that we have. Um, and that like the goal here isn't to like cut cishet men down at the ankles, but to instead to like invite them into some of this deeper work that many of us are doing because we've had no choice, but to do it. Totally. It's almost as though like to the letter writer, like I would say, if this comes up again, you can say, if you don't think these men in my lives are capable of having complex, uh, you know, emotionally enriching relationships with a woman, then I'm really sorry that your life has been lacking that. Yeah, This is important to me. Mm-hmm. These people are important to me. And if you can't respect that, like GTFO. Yeah. No I mean, offense, I think it but... says more about the person who's making that demand than it does about the other yes. men who oh, are in your 100%. life, right? Like yeah. it, there's, there's something that's coming up for them. There's some sort of wound there. Right. That, again, it's like, yeah, how maybe that's how they up? see women. For sure. Like, I'm sorry you're missing out on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe they don't want to. And maybe that's like something that they're trying to work on. But it is like, I think it's an indication of, of again, this sort of like really gendered binary and, and um, not complex idea of like how humans operate and the emotional yeah. richness and complexity that each of us has, whether or not we're yes. able to dig into it or express it. Yeah. And here's my challenge to folks who are listening, who are not um, men, (laughs) Um, you know, uh, who are maybe on the other side of this uh, non-binary coin, Um, you know, also look at the ways in which you are internalizing messages from our cultured conditioning about sex, gender, identity, like, you know, your boyfriend who has a really good friend who identifies as a woman, that woman isn't like a homewrecker or out to get him. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that woman isn't a threat to your relationship. Your boyfriend is allowed to have meaningful relationships with people who don't have the same genitals that he does. That's like, that's, that's what it, that's yeah, a, no, it's here's so where the rant comes <laughs> is what the fuck is our obsession with fucking assumed genitals? Number one, because like I haven't, I've only seen like, I don't know how many genitals like the lights were off, but like, do you know what I mean? The amount of assumptions we make and then the rules we make based off of these genitals. It's, it's just silly. fucking absurd. It's silly. absurd. It's absurd. All right. And rant. okay so (laughs) want to get into this week's letter yeah let's do it all right today's letter is from miss mcfeels a lot who is writing to us from my bike and whose pronouns are she her hello sam and sierra i'm not actually on my bike but i always mentally write letters to you while cycling to uni or back and now i'm finally sending one There is something that has been weighing heavily on my relationship, and I could really use your perspective from a faraway tower that you are in. Me, 24, and my partner, Mark, he, him, 25, have been together for five years now. We put a lot of work into this relationship, and I've truly never felt more loved or supported than I do with Mark. But in this past year, we have been struggling with a lot of communication dynamics where I often find myself wanting to address certain issues or, in general, aiming for a deeper emotional connection and I feel like we keep hitting a roadblock 
I tend to be the quote, can we talk about it, girlfriend, while he tends to be the quote, I don't know what you want me to say, boyfriend. It's frustrating because I genuinely want us to work through things together, but our communication styles clash and there's only so far this can be sustained. I yearn for a more meaningful and open conversation where we can express our thoughts, emotions, and concerns without misunderstanding each other. Although I love this man so deeply, Mark, to me, is like a Rubik's Cube of emotions where I'm always close to figuring him out, but never quite there to be able to put all of these colors together. The issue extends also to the amount of communication we expect throughout the day when we are apart. He is currently doing a very demanding master's program, which takes much of his both time and energy, which I understand, but... What I don't know is to what extent should I make space for him without forgetting about my own needs? I'm also scared that this excuse will just continue to whatever he does next since I fear he will always have a very demanding career. Where I need your help is on how to bring up this topic moving forward. All Mark can hear is I'm not enough and his reaction always makes me feel I'm too much. I know you've touched on this many times before, but I've listened back to all those episodes and still find myself never having the right words to express this without him feeling like even his best, which I believe he is doing, is not enough. To you, I might sound like I'm spitting words of wisdom in this letter, but when I actually have to talk about it with Mark, my emotions get in the way and it never comes out right. It's like when I was learning French and in my head, I totally knew the entire language and could formulate all those sentences. But in reality, when I had to speak, it was nothing coherent. The funny part is that this issue doesn't even cross my mind that often and is quite small in perspective of the entire relationship. But in the moment of these fights, they always feel so, so massive to the point that I keep getting anxiety attacks from it. So I wonder if it's something that I should pay attention to more. Sam and Sierra, how do I know when I'm pushing too hard for a relationship when I should just let it go and when it's pushing just enough to into the discomfort I need for growth? Please help a girl out. Thank you for reading this. This podcast has been a lifeline for me during my toughest moments, reminding me of my worth and giving me the tools to keep going. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. All the love, Miss McFeels a lot. All right, Miss McFeels a lot. I can tell that you're feeling a lot in this letter. Um, and I I just want to say that like, I really appreciate that your relationship is really working for you, that it is, um, you know, you talk about how loved and supported you feel in this relationship and that like, it's just that these moments are causing so much friction for you or eliciting such a strong reaction from you that it feels like you can't get your head above water in them. Um, and I, and I think that it can be really challenging to have these types of conversations. Uh, it can be really challenging to find the right words, uh, to describe how we're feeling or to get really curious about what the other person is feeling or going through. Um, and that, that practice takes time. Uh, but it doesn't mean that when we're learning or when we're trying things out for the first time, it isn't deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Um, and so Sierra and I are going to talk a little bit about how to maybe approach some of these conversations. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the language that you might use. Um, but mostly I think we're going to talk about how you can tear or care for yourself in these situations where these big emotions, these big sort of panic is coming up for you when you're having these conversations. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this letter. I want to say I relate to um, pieces of it really deeply, uh, particularly the idea that you shared in the last paragraph of like, this is not even like an everyday thing. This is not a huge weight weighing on your relationship every moment, you know, 
But when it comes up, it's so big and it makes you feel so disconnected from this person who you feel like is your person, you know? Um, And I think those types of relationship challenges can, can really make us feel insecure because they can take us from that good feeling of safety and security to, oh my God, I'm in crisis. We are disconnected. We're not connecting. Is something wrong with our relationship? Um, And I know that can really be tricky to navigate. Um, And I also know, you know, it can be really hard to look at your loved one and really feel like there's more there that they're not saying that there's more there that they're feeling, but they don't know how to articulate yet and really want to be able to like crack the code, the Rubik's cube and say the right thing and do the right thing to, to prompt them to share, you know? Yeah. It's like, Unfortunately, your partner is not like the minds of Moria. You can't just like find the right password and like get them to suddenly open all of their doors to you. Like it's just not a little Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's been a long time since I've done a Lord of the Rings reference, so I really, I really want yeah, to yeah, throw you gotta it in there. Keep it fresh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Gotta keep it. Um, and I want to say that's so relatable. Like, so it's it's not even that you're like dating potential right now. You're not. It's like you're sure. looking at this person who you know so intimately and being like. I know there's more there and, Mm. or, or, and also you're saying, I, I, I want to feel connected on this. I want to, I want to feel like my emotions are understood, right? There's Mm. a need here Mm -hmm. and it's not just to be listened to. It's a need to be understood and to be met on this emotional level. And that's challenging. You know, that's something that can make you feel really lonely. Yeah. Um, Well, and I also wonder if it's like a need to understand too, right? Like, you know, I'm just like thinking about, thinking about a lot of things. Um, I'm thinking about my own relationship where I like have so tried to plumb the depths of what Peter is feeling and had to realize that I will never know because I'm not in his body, right? Like that's it. I don't know what it's like to be doing the things that he's doing or feeling the way that he's feeling, right? And sometimes I get these glimpses of things where I'm just like, oh, is this what Peter's feeling in this moment? Like this type of emotion, right? Like, and and I'll never know because I'm I'm not, right? Like, and I'm also thinking about the idea of like, um, what Alok Alok Vedmenen talks about all the time, which is that like, we can have compassion without comprehension, right? We don't need to know the full depth of our partner's experience for us to at least like sit in the space of like, I don't know what it's like to be in your body. I don't know what it's like to feel what you're feeling. I don't know if like you're even feeling the depth of what I'm assuming that you're feeling, right? Like, so all I can do is like sit here and hold compassion for it in a way that is not necessarily like trying to take on what you're feeling, but sitting in the acknowledgement and recognition of the fact that you are feeling something, you're stressed, you're doing something, you're having a, a, a re- reaction, but that I'll never know what it is. And I'll, But I can still hold space for it. I can still like hold that it is challenging or exciting or whatever it is and kind of connect it to my own experience, but not take it, take it on. Yes. And that requires a ton of security in within yourself and to, you know, to be able to say like, I don't need to understand that turmoil that I see under right under the surface that I'm assuming is turmoil. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, it literally, I am that bitch who cannot not ask, <laughs> are you okay? Do you know oh, what I mean? I like, it's like, 
<laughs> no, I do it too. And I, I'm like, I'm so, I feel the words coming out of my mouth and I'm, yeah, like, and you're I'm, like, I'm annoyed with myself right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Willow and I have gotten to the p- pattern where I'm like, I'm just saying this because I have to say this. Are you okay? Is anything wrong? She'll be like, nope. And I'm like, cool, just saying it because I need to. Bye. <laughs> like, I don't even listen. I don't even listen to her fucking answer. That's because us like anxiously attached cuties, like, you know, we're, we're constantly looking for ways in which we can earn love, right? Mm-hmm. Re- earn connection, yep. earn security. Um, and I, listen to our letter writer. I'm going to assume here, based off what you told us, that this is in all other ways, a emotionally healthy relationship, right? I'm going to assume best intentions and, and, and best foundation of your relationship and of your partner. And that he's not withholding things from you in a manipulative way that this is just the way he communicates. Right. That being said, before I go down that assumption road, you know, emotions are not a bad thing. Sharing emotions, communicating is not a bad thing. And if you are not getting what you want from this man and a deeper, more communicative emotional connection is absolutely something that you have a right to look for in another relationship or leave a relationship to explore. For sure. Um, Obviously the show is called just break up. That is the foundation of our fucking show. Um, But I just, I I think, I think our best advice could come to help you work through this, not away from it. Um, But you, this is a, this is an issue, you know, even if it's not an issue every day. Um, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming he's not doing anything manipulative or cruel or withholding or whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's some things that I want you to ask yourself when these emotional conversations come up, are you, and he, and he's engaging in them. The first thing I would ask myself is like, am I believing what he is saying? Yeah. Or am, am I believing what he is presenting me with? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm really busy. I'm exhausted. I have nothing to say. Okay, so what does it feel like to believe that? And what's tricky for that for us anxiously attached cuties is that then we often have to soothe that anxiety in us, that yep. worry in us, that that connection, that need for connection, that very valid and important need for context- connection in us by ourselves and it's like okay well what does it look like to to work through these emotionally fraught things um on my own you know and i'm not saying again this is not me like voting for a one-sided an emotionally yep. one-sided relationship yep but i often found that in when i was in similar scenarios i I was trying to like dig for a deeper response yeah. and there just wasn't one. Yeah. I there wasn't, was nothing I else was waiting, under the surface. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I've been there for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's like, um, part of it is like emotional attachment. It's, sometimes I think it's also about like, just like what we were taught about what our roles were in terms yeah, of like pleasing totally. people or like fixing problems or whatever. Or maybe it's just like a thing where it's like, oh, I really want to have deep meaningful conversations with you about what's going on with us emotionally. Like, let's get into it. Right. When somebody else is like, that actually isn't helpful for me. Right. Like that's not, that's actually not how I process. Instead, I need time alone or whatever it is. Right. And, and I think that like part of what I've had to do in my relationship is not like find the right words to get Peter to talk more, but instead to a 
talk more when we're not in crisis, <laughs> right? Like yeah. sort of have some of these conversations more often so that they get more, um, more common for us or like practiced for us. And also that like my expectation is not that like the conversation is about me getting into the depths of what Peter is going through, but instead understanding and talking about how things are landing on me, like what is coming up for me in this situation and not to say like, say the right thing, do exactly what I need to do unless I need to hear a particular thing. And then I will have to ask for that particular thing to be said to me, right? Like that, Yes, right. You know what I mean? Like that's like, so it is about like, what am, what do I need from this conversation? What am I trying to get from it? Where, where am I trying to find assurance? Where am I trying to find connection and, and figuring that stuff out so that I can then kind of draw out of the conversation what I need. Does that work all the time? Absolutely not. No, it does not because like we're two different people in two different places and, and, and sometimes we're going to miss each other. In fact, like I would say maybe like, I don't know, 50% of the time we don't quite understand what the other person yeah. is saying, right? Like, cause we're, I think that's such a good thing to point out. <laughs> like I, we're, we're so different. We are such different right. people. Even you too, like, you know, l- literally part life partners, people who love each other and have a very healthy relationship are 100% have 100% different worldviews and bodies and for sure. nervous systems and function brain functions you no, know for sure and sometimes if peter asks if i'm upset i say no even though i am upset right because we're like emotionally complex people <laughs> and then like i will i figure out how to come back to him and tell him like what was actually upsetting me but like <laughs> and again it just speaks to like the idea that we all process through stuff differently and sometimes what might look like somebody being uncommunicative or whatever it might be might actually just be them being tired right needing time to like sleep it off needing time to figure out what they want to say, needing time. Like there's so many different ways that our, our processing shows up. And so like the idea that we're always going to be in perfect conversation with each other about everything and be able to speak to our experiences in a way that the other person is going to be able to hear is impossible for us, right? Like that's not a reasonable expectation for us to have. So part of what we need to do is like sit in the discomfort of the fact that no matter how much we love our partners and want to be with them, we're never going to fully understand them. And we have to find ways to hold that complexity for ourselves and assuage the feelings that come up when we're like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're thinking. What if they're thinking something terrible? What if they are thinking something terrible, right? Like what would happen? And, and, but like no amount of like trying to extract information about someone's emotional state is going to prevent bad things from happening or going to prevent them from feeling bad or for prevent them from being frustrated with us or whatever it might be. That was, is kind of the fear that's coming up for us in that. Yeah. And I also, you know, as I move through my relationship, my marriage, I've noticed that, like Sam said, it's not just that we don't always like see eye to eye, but it's that like a lot of that, you know, you wrote in your letter, like I'm the, can we talk this out girlfriend or whatever. Uh (laughs) I've, I've realized that we do that and we've kind of developed a shorthand for like We've excavated this enough. There's no farther point of understanding Mm -hmm. because it's just going to be her and I sitting back and forth being like, 
but this is how I feel. And then she'll be like, well, this is how, how I feel. And I said, when you did this, I did this. You know, uh-huh. it's like, uh-huh. it's like, it's granted. Like, I do feel like we have a strong um, relationship founded on communication. That's just her personality and our life circumstance right now. Um, but I've learned how to practice walking away from conversations without having to excavate them for more connection. And yep. instead really practice feeling secure in our connection, regardless of one hard conversation. And that's what I want you to do. My darling letter writer is say my relationship is strong. Even if there's one hard conversation this week, right? Mm -hmm. My, my emotions aren't bad and aren't a threat to the health of my relationship. Even if they come out in a way that's like inarticulate. Right. Um, I think uh, one thing that Sam and I haven't said yet that I just want to cover really quickly is, you know, you are allowed to, Sam kind of said it earlier. So let me just restate it of like, it's not that you can pull something, a different reaction out of your boyfriend. You can say when you don't respond, it makes me feel like this. I know that my feelings aren't always right though. I know that they often come from my wounds or my insecurity or whatever. But when you do this, it makes me feel this. Can you help me understand it in a way so that I have a different reaction? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, this is all based off of the the foundational assumption that this is a healthy relationship and he's not an asshole. Um, <laughs> yes, I, yep. <laughs> I just know people out there are like, well, he's, he's being an asshole. You know, we're going to assume that he's not. Um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that this, you know, like the idea of sort of saying about how stuff is landing on you is, is also about like not necessarily assigning blame because like, as you say in the letter, right? Like you're both trying your best in this and your best are like not matching and that's okay. Right. It's okay to try our best and have it be, it not do the thing that we wanted to do. So like, it's okay to say like, Hey, when you do this, like, this is kind of how it lands on me. I'm not saying that like you're doing anything wrong, but I want to share with you that like, this is how, this is the response that comes up in me when you don't tell me this thing or when you don't like, you can say that kind of stuff, but not in a way to necessarily get them to change themselves, but just in a way to, again, let them know how you're feeling about the situation, right. To have them to sort of practice what it looks like to name some of that stuff. And you say like, even in your letter, right? I don't want him to feel like his best is not good enough, right? And it's okay that his best isn't good enough because like because like you our best is so often not good enough, right? And and it's not good enough in particular for getting you what you need or for what you want out of the relationship, which is fine because that's what relationships are is like missing each other and not necessarily getting everything that we need and all of that complicated stuff that is relationships. So like, I think it's okay for you to share about some of this stuff and how this is feeling for you. But again, right. It's not your responsibility to like, make sure that he feels good about the conversation. Cause that's not actually what needs to happen. Right. If we're looking for what it looks like for us to have meaningful conversations where we're connecting, that means that honesty has to be part of it. That means that like discomfort is going to be part of it. And it's okay for him to say, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. And it's okay for you to say, like, I want more out of this. And and to have that incompatibility be there, as long as you're figuring out ways to, to believe each other and to see each other and to sort of work around the, the fact that you just have different communication styles when it comes to talking about this stuff. Exactly. All right, my darling. 
We hope this makes you feel heard, understood, empowered. We know this is tricky, um, but you are capable of moving through this with your partner and on your own. Um, and we hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. Absolutely. We love you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in more content from us, or if you're interested in getting your episodes ad-free, you can support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as ad-free episodes. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more broken-hearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his podcasts. And remember, one of the keys of communication is understanding that there's no perfect way to ask a question to get a response that you want to hear. Sometimes the truth is just what they're saying. The truth is all that they offer. And there's no deeper thing that they're withholding from you. Sometimes it's more important to stop listen pay attention to your body and hear what they're saying to you with their words or their actions and if all else fails just break up